Remain seated, please. Permanecer sentados, por favor. The marvelous galaxy. The uh, Disney, yeah. Hello, and welcome to Marvelous Galaxy of Disney, the weekly chat show where we cover everything under the Disney umbrella, including Star Wars and Marvel. My name is Sean. And this is Alan. And we're here to talk about some stuff with you. Yay, Margaldiz. <laughs> Get it? <laughs> no. no. Um, exciting news. Um, you may have already heard, but Disneyland has the green light to start reopening. They said that the reopening will start as soon as the end of April. It's been kind of up in the air, correct me if I'm wrong, but originally it said that they would open at 15% capacity, mm -hmm. but I've been seeing hints that they may be able to open higher than that. Yeah, I think the number is like around 60% of what that 15% capacity was. Yeah, like 66% uh, higher than the 15%. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that's exciting. Um Just to expand on what we said on an earlier podcast, uh, the indoor rides are going to be a little bit sketchy for a little while, it seems like. Um, you can't get fast passes. Everything is going to be scheduled through the app, so there's no uh, queues to wait in. And the indoor rides have to pass an ins inspection for um, how much space there is in the ride and how many people are inside at any given time and how long you're inside. Yeah, so many roles. I know. I'm just really hoping that Rise of the Resistance is <laughs> so big inside. I'm really hoping we can get that one to pass because you're pretty spread out. Yeah, I mean, I like, correct me if I'm wrong, but... You're uh, wrong. Oh, oh I know. <laughs> um, but I know that Rise was open on day one, I believe, at in Florida when they reopened. So hopefully we get the same treatment. I know the world is different in Florida than it is in California, but <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I, yeah, to your, to your point, Sean, like, I think they could do it. Yeah. Yeah. And also they announced too, that there's no extra magic hours for those who ever used that before. It's, you know, if you stay at a Disney property, um, you're able to get into the park before a road drop, but it looks like that's also something they won't be doing at once they reopen. Yeah, so hopefully um, we get some news soon. There is the talk that we discussed also in an earlier episode about um, the season passes, lots of questions coming out about what people want from that. So hopefully we have that back soon, and hopefully we can get into the park. Yeah, and it's also, even though it is a Disney podcast, it's not just Disneyland that's reopening. There's other parks, too, in California that we're excited that to reopen, like Universal and Knott's, but... Super excited for Disneyland, first off. Yeah. Yeah. And we'll see, like, someone like my mom, she won tickets on the radio that she <laughs> won before COVID started. So hopefully we get some more information about how that would work if you've had tickets since before yeah. the snap. Or even the, the cost of the tickets, too. I wonder if they're going to change, if that's going to be adjusted at all, or if it's going to be the same. Oh, that's true, because they can't offer us the whole part. Yeah. Wow. 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 <laughs> um, also, to go with, you know, that big announcement, uh, D Disney also um, released their D23 uh, virtual event, which is a special one uh, specifically talking about DCA's 20th, 20th anniversary, as well as some news for Walt Disney Imagineering. Um, those who are part of the D23 members They actually get access to this uh, starting March 10th, and they can stream the content through March 26th. But some uh, sneak previews of what they've been talking about if you aren't a D23 member. First off is they did provide more details about the new Web Flingers attraction, the Spider-Man attraction in the upcoming Avengers Campus Land in DCA. Uh, one thing that they announced is that there's no height requirement, so anyone can basically go on the ride. Um, Some, the Imagineers kind of talked about it, and they basically said that Spider-Man is pretty much a universal character. He, he, he um, you know, is, relates to all ages, so they really didn't want to um, restrict the ride to, to, you know, the really young kids or the, 
really old. <laughs> Did you know, Alan, I once read that Spider-Man is the most recognizable superhero in the world. Who? <laughs> Try to add something interesting. <laughs> no, I mean, that makes sense. Like, yeah, he's... I, I do feel like he's very, like, he speaks to everyone. A lot of he's a lot of his cartoons or even just, like, the latest movies are really funny. So it applies to the masses. Mm-hmm. Um, and, yeah, he's, he's universal. Well, Disney, but <laughs> you, you get it. Stop it. <laughs> so just to shut Alan up, I'll start on the next <laughs> section. Um, the Ratatouille ride. If you haven't seen anything about the Ratatouille ride, it's opening in... Uh, Disney World. Yes. October 1st of this year. It's celebrating Epcot's 50th anniversary. This ride looks so cool. And they've kind of built the plaza around it to look like the Paris from the movie. And it's using a lot of that newer technology that Disney's been using with like the magnets. So the the mouse cars can kind of travel anywhere within the room like Rise or like uh, Beauty and the Beast. And um, it just looks really fun if you watch the uh, the YouTube ride through. Yeah, because right now the the well the ride has been open at Disneyland Paris or Disney's Hollywood Studios in Paris for a while now, so it's basically the exact copy of that ride. Um, but it is, I mean, based off yeah the videos, it looks really fun and and cool. <laughs> Thank you. One one thing that I do wish that they did bring to Orlando is the restaurant too, because uh, in Paris they do have like an actual like fancy like sit down restaurant. You're actually like it makes it look like you're shrunk down to a mouse size. So like all the the furniture looks like it's like made out of like bottle caps and buttons and things like that. Um, but in Orlando they are getting a restaurant, but it's more casual. It's called uh, like uh, Crêperie de Paris. Um, which will open, it, it does have some table um, service options, but there's also a quick service option. Um, they will serve, obviously, due to the name, crepes, but as well as um, some savory galettes, and um, they'll be known for their French hard cider. What was it called again? Uh, Le Creperie de Paris. I love when you speak French. <laughs> <laughs> so you just brought up a quick memory. I remember with my cousin Wendy, who hopefully we'll be seeing soon, um, when I visited her, we went to Disney and we went to Epcot. And there was the most yummy Italian restaurant in Epcot. And every single waiter was hotter than hell. <laughs> like we were so hungry and thirsty at the same time. In that restaurant. I didn't know they had Olive Garden in Florida. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. (laughs) And also, along with a D23 event, um, they announced more details of the Rapunzel ride. So, quick trivia, Sean. Do you know, without looking at my notes, (laughs) do you know uh, what representation the Rapunzel movie has in other Disney theme parks? Um, I know in Disneyland, there's the little, like, Rapunzel area. (laughs) Is there anything else? I don't know. Well, okay. So, in (laughs) Orlando, in the Magic Kingdom, their representation of Rapunzel is actually a themed bathroom. (laughs) Wow. Um, And then it gets a little bit better in Shanghai. They actually have a restaurant. um, It looks similar to the tavern uh, in the movie. Um, so there's like a quick service restaurant in Shanghai, but uh, what the D- D23 event um, premiered or provided more details on is there's actually going to be a Rapunzel ride premiering in Tokyo, uh, Tokyo Disney Sea. Um, so if you're not familiar with the expansion that's going on out there, they're actually um, adding another port or another land um, called Fantasy Springs, um, and I believe it has. Um, I believe it has like other, I think uh, Peter Pan in the land as well too, and Frozen. Um, but they also included uh, a Rapunzel ride, which is really exciting. Uh, basically, you're going to board a gondola um, and just kind of go through, ride, ride it through the water. And um, it's basically telling the story of Rapunzel's best day ever. Um, so you're going to go and listen to some of their, you know, iconic songs throughout the movie, such as like I See the Light. Um, so it does. A lot of people are saying it seems really similar to the Frozen um, ride in Orlando um, that replaced Maelstrom. Um, but, yeah, you're just going to, you know, go through scenes. But at least she's she's having her own ride now. Finally, 
is my number two only after Aladdin Disney hunk Flynn Rider going to be appearing on this ride? No. It, it, it's it's Rapunzel's best date ever. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> And to kick off spring, we've got the extravaganza <laughs> and more at the D- downtown Disney district. So basically what they're doing starting um, today, March 15th Ooh. to April 18th, while supplies last, we have to add that, they're basically doing a- an egg hunt. So you can go to somewhere like the Wonderground Gallery and for $7.99 plus tax, you buy your game board and then you get stickers and you have to go find the eggs and you put the stickers to correspond with where you found it and once you're done you bring your card to the um, pin trader and you get one of six collectible pin eggs yeah and and the collectible eggs sorry (laughs) not pins yeah collectible eggs um and they're like in the uh well they're not in the shape of but they look like one of the you know disney characters like mickey mouse pluto um the familiar ones I'm looking at Mickey, Minnie, Donald, Daisy, Chip, and Dale. Yes. So no Goofy. That was kind of goofy that you said that. I said Goofy? I thought I said Pluto. There's no Pluto. Oh. That was kind of goofy I said that. <laughs> oh, wow. <laughs> so, and what's nice, too, is if you're just, like, one of those people who can't find any and you're like, I'm over this, <laughs> you paid your $7.99, so they'll still give you your collectible yeah. egg. So you don't have to do the egg hunt, but I think it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I like how they are continuing this tradition because this usually is taking place in Disneyland, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, they're still being able to do this. Just it's only at downtown Disney. Yeah. And these are actually um, a lot of fun to do. Uh, Rachel, who's on Once Upon a Cult with us, and I did one of these in Disneyland in um, French Adventure Land (laughs) (laughs) where, uh, yeah, it was the same deal. You had to go through Adventureland and find certain things and mark where you found them. And I think you got a stamp from a worker in that area. And when you brought it back, you got one of, I think it was probably about six different um, keychains, I think they were. And um, they were shaped like different animals, but in kind of like an Aztec style. So, like, it was fun, and you don't know which one you're going to get. And, I mean, it's just another way for the park to keep you busy, especially if you have a pass and you're there all the time or mm-hmm. if the, the line rides are long. This is just something else to do with the kids. I wonder, since it's, like, in a focus in a more, like, a smaller area of downtown Disney, if, like, it's easier to get the stickers if you're actually doing it. Probably. <laughs> <laughs> And along with the extravaganza, there's going to be spring snacks starting in March. Mm. Yeah, I know. Like a Jamba's Electric Berry Lemonade Smoothie. Um, Alan's so excited about this one. The Dill Pickle Corn Dog Ugh. with a side of peanut butter and oh. blue ribbon corn dogs. <laughs> Do they want people to buy these? or <laughs> Like you had me. That looks so good because I'm looking at a picture and it's basically like this crunchy looking outside of the corn dog. With the pickle wrapped around the hot dog. It looks delicious. But then adding the peanut butter, like... Yeah. It's probably good because they have people who try this stuff and they're like, oh, I like it. So I'm still going to try it next time we go. But it's also like, how do they think of this? I know. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, and on March 20th, uh, Naples Ristorante Bar is doing um, National Ravioli Day, March 20th. Ooh, I didn't know that Ravioli had their own day. They do. March 20th. Yeah. The day after March 19th. And if you're looking for somewhere to go on Easter, actually Easter brunch is available um, for April 4th. You can go to Uva Bar and Cafe or Tortilla Joe's, and they're having an extra special Easter brunch menu. Oh, I wonder what makes it so extra. Maybe they have bacon. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I think we had mentioned this before, but now we are the the Chadwick Boseman art installation or memorial went down, uh, but they did replace it with uh, Raya. Um, They we actually saw uh, last time we went to downtown Disney. Um, So check that out if you guys are there. Um, I'm glad that we kind of have our own Raya representation here out in the West Coast, because I know Orlando has their sand castle or sand installations on their end. So 
glad to see Raya represent on our end as well, too. And watch the movie if you have it, because it's great, like we said last time. Yeah, and hopefully, um, if the rumors are true this week, at least in the California, especially L.A. area, we should have theaters reopening. Yes. And we plan on seeing it again in theaters. We are? Yeah. Oh. Surprise! <laughs> <laughs> Yay! <laughs> so, <laughs> there is a churro <laughs> with a name <laughs> called the Fluffernutter. This is a... PG podcast, so I won't go into detail on why I think that's a funny name, Fluffer and Nutter. But um, basically what this churro is, is uh, it has peanut butter and it has like chocolate chips and then it's in a marshmallow drizzle. So the Fluffer's the marshmallow and Nutter's the peanut butter. And we finally got to try it. Yeah. And the verdict is in. How did we like it? I like it. It has all my favorites. Obviously, the churros, as well as marshmallows and peanut butter. So when you put everything together, it just tastes really good. I also, when I was a little kid, used to make fluffernutter sandwiches. (laughs) (laughs) So I guess you can say it kind of brought me back to my childhood. But I didn't have any um, thoughts of any innuendos when I ate it (laughs) back in the day. I'm a pervert. Yeah, I think everyone knows that. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was really good. I mean, you can tell by the line. Every time we've gone to downtown Disney or Buena Vista Street, there's always a line to to order it. So I'm glad that we had our chance finally before they close out Buena Vista Street to, to try it out. Are they closing it for Touch of Disney? Which I, we got tickets for? Yes. Oh. So we can actually try it. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> On this week's cover, Disney, I wanted to highlight one of my bands. I've seen them live. They're called Creature Feature, and they actually covered the song Grim Grinning Ghosts from the Haunted Mansion ride. Give it a listen. It makes me want to go on the Haunted Mansion ride. That's what it makes me want to do. Yeah, it does. <laughs> and if you get a chance to check these guys out, because they are um, they basically like produce stuff themselves. So I get really excited when they come out with music. And all their songs have that kind of creature feature, spooky theme to them. Especially check out the song, um, Here There Be Witches, if you're a witch fan. Because everybody who is a witch or likes witches loves that song. I get why their name is called Creature Feature. Why? Because you just said Creature Feature. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) thank you. So to celebrate this, may the fourth be with you, we have an exciting (laughs) new addition to the Star Wars family. We've talked about the Bad Batch before, the one where the clone troopers came out wrong, but their differences make them stronger. We have a release date. It comes out on May the 4th Be With You. Wow. Makes so much sense. And even after that, the viewers don't even have to wait too long to get the second episode, right? Right. The next episode comes out May 7th. I've seen Disney do this with a lot of their releases. Like the new, our last um, Clone Wars season did the same thing where they came out a few days apart and then one week at a time, probably to build excitement. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, is this something you're going to be watching, sir? 
I am not a Star Wars fan. Anyway, next. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. I'm excited for it. Any excuse to take me back to like the Clone Wars era cartoon? Because that cartoon is amazing. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to be watching it starting on May the 4th be with you. Yeah. I mean, this will fill my uh, Mandalorian void or any of those (laughs) shows. So, yeah, I'm excited to get my Star Wars on again. Yeah. And <laughs> Florida, Florida. <laughs> um, so recently, Cumberbatch actually had an interview. Um, I don't know if everyone knows this or thought of this, but um, a lot of people have been wanting Benedict Cumberbatch to become Thrawn um, in whatever live action they do featuring Thrawn in the future. And if you need to know who Thrawn is, please see our previous episode, <laughs> What We Like About Star Wars Legends yes. and WandaVision. Yes, synergy. <laughs> Showtime synergy. <laughs> but, um, yeah, so in this interview, basically, Benedict is like, yeah, no, I don't want to be Thrawn. So, you know, they asked, why don't you want to be him? You know, be in a really big, play a big Star Wars role in the Star Wars universe. He's like, well, I don't want to be blue. But I can respect him for that. Nobody wants to be sad, Alan. Do you, have you seen Thrawn? Yeah, he's literally <laughs> blue with red eyes. He's a, he's, he lives in the land of Pandora. <laughs> he does. <laughs> I could see why people would want him. Um, mm-hmm. Based on the drawings of Thrawn and him in the Rebels cartoon, he would make a perfect Thrawn. Yeah. But I can also see, like, I know um, Jennifer Lawrence and uh, Rebecca Romijan, Romaine, <laughs> they both had a horrible time playing Mystique in the blue paint. Like, I know at one point, Rebecca was even, like, throwing up blue. Oh. So I don't think the paint treats everybody the same way, and it doesn't treat everybody well. So like, with him being the actor he is, I don't, I don't blame him. Yeah, he probably would feel start feeling blue after being painted blue. So speaking of Cumberbatch, (laughs) I feel like we're like touching on topics we've already talked about in other episodes, but expanding on them. This is great. I'm loving this. Synergy. Showtime synergy. (laughs) Um, So Benedict Cumberbatch just made, or he just had an interview where he addresses (laughs) kind of the disappointment that people had with the ending of WandaVision. (laughs) Like, it's a great show, but for some of the same things that we touched on on the finale, they hyped certain things up on the show that were kind of not followed through on as well as they could have, one of them being um, Pietro being in the show and not tying to X-Men at all, besides him being Richard Boner. Um, (laughs) The other major one is the tease of having a guest star and it being Paul Bettany as White Vision. Um, So a lot of people were on the same train as me, it sounds like, that they thought, well, Wanda's going to be in Doctor Strange too. Why not have Doctor Strange come in as a tie-in? And so Cumberbatch himself said, yeah, that would have been the perfect tie-in. And I would have been ecstatic to take on that role and, you know, be Doctor Strange. So it didn't happen. Yeah. I wonder if when they first started writing for the show, they don't want to do anything too much because, like, they didn't really know what the show was, like, how people were going to react to the show. So they don't want to do, like, something too crazy. But I don't know. That's yeah. just my... My thought. I'm, I'm just trying to defend the Marvel people. Florida! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I know we talked about last week, you know, there's uh, there's new merch with the WandaVision pops. Well, WandaVision and White... Or, sorry, the Wanda, Scarlet Witch, and White Vision um, Funko Pops. But they actually started releasing other things. Um, you know, great timing after the show ended to release more merch versus beforehand. <laughs> Sorry, but <laughs> no, they're, they're releasing some cool stuff like, uh, you know, a few T-shirts in the shape of like, not the shape, in the design of, you know, like the 60s um, with like the, the cool like retro stuff. Also, um, Wanda in her costume that they revealed in the last episode, probably why they haven't released it yet. I call it the very similar to Dark Phoenix, but actually done right and making it look good outfit. Yes. And even her... For short. <laughs> very, very short. And even her, um, I don't know, would you call it the crown? Whatever she... Her headpiece? Headpiece, yeah. Yeah. You can even buy that separately, too, if you want to, you know, look like Wanda. 
I foresee if we are allowed to do Halloween this year, <laughs> everybody get vaccinated, wear a mask so we can have a Halloween. Yes. Um, I think we're going to see a lot of Wanda's and a lot of Agatha's this Halloween in their various outfits because they covered so many eras. Like if you want to do the classic 60s look of either of them, 70s, 80s, they were just such fun characters with great outfits. It was Agatha all along. <laughs> oh. <laughs> Um, and the verdict is in. So Alan and I went head to head on what we think the commercials are. Instagram has spoken. The voters have casted their votes with <laughs> with Alan voting what? for himself and nobody what? else. What? <laughs> I can see who cast the vote, Alan. Uh-huh. Um, people were more on my side that the episodes were or the commercials were based on Wanda's memories and experiences and we actually there was a um, interview where the director and writer thinks that the infinity stone theory that alan came across was actually a really interesting theory because they made a lot of it make sense but he yep. did confirm yes uh-huh <laughs> not to throw a tantrum <laughs> he did confirm that the commercials were in fact tied to her Memories of her life experiences. Yeah, but he did say that the Infinity Stones idea is very clever. And he even thought he even wished that he thought of that idea. But he did say that they were based on her memories and past experiences. <laughs> well, and that's all he did reveal one thing too, because if you notice in every single commercial, they use the same cast or the same people. Um, so that was to represent like Wanda basically like controlling those commercials and casting the same people to to tell that story. So that was a little attention to detail that was pretty cool. Very cool. That is very cool. Very cool. So X-Men debuted a new character back in January of 2019, and I really wanted to highlight her. I don't know why I didn't think about this sooner. Maybe it's because we have more time to breathe and talk about things without having a three-hour episode. (gasps) So there's an X-Men. She is touted as the first drag queen X-Men. Her name (laughs) is Darnell Wade. Her codename is Shade. (laughs) I thought that was funny. So she is uh, from Brooklyn, and I think this is really funny, her history. So I guess this this first part's not funny. Darnell grew up in a lot of foster homes. But when she got older, (laughs) she met another drag queen, and uh, her and her friend, Spillin' Tiana Taylor. (laughs) Wow. Both of them wanted to get on a drag race show they didn't say rupaul oh. but it's like a drag race oh, show okay. and spill and tiana taylor made it onto the show and darnell did not oh no so then she was left alone and they they had like a falling out that was made public so shade was left with no electricity in an empty apartment and she eventually um through her enhanced emotions her mutant power came out and she found her life through her powers and drag so the creator actually um the co-creator Cena grace said that she was actually inspired by rupaul's drag race when she made or helped make shade um shade is based on the vixen so she's got some attitude Mm -hmm. she's based on monet exchange so she's got some charm and some humor (laughs) She's based on Dax Exclamation Point, who I really liked on the show, even though she went home pretty early, but she cosplays as Storm a lot. But mostly she's based on one of my drag race stars and who won season four of all, wait, season five of all stars, Shea Coulee. That's who Shade is mostly based on. Now, here's my question to you when I explain her power. (laughs) (laughs) so we have the other heroes cloak and dagger cloak wears a literal cloak around him they had their own tv show and he can open up his cloak and go into the dark dimension so shade is also connected to the dark dimension she channels her power through a fan that she carries 
and she can, what she calls it is throw shade and make like portals into the dark dimension. Hmm, so that's where she gets her name from. Yes. Yes. Now, is this a little too spot on? Like she throws shade with her fan? <laughs> <laughs> I don't I mean, it's, it, it's, it's exactly spot on and I'm, I'm not complaining about it at all. I think it's really clever. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I was just wondering if it was like going into ridiculous zone or if we are proud to have Shade. So I'm glad that we can be proud to have her represent us in the X-Men community. I think she has great charisma, uniqueness, nerve, and talent to be a, another addition of the Marvel family. Yeah. And they actually, they really haven't used her too much. Um, she showed up in an Iceman comic, which is where I think I first ran into her. And she's known to be more of like a party girl. Like she was seen um, talking to a DJ at a party, um, but she did help fight off Mr. Sinister with Iceman. Oh. Mr. Sinister is another mutant who I've, for a long time now, since I was young, I've coded him as gay. But in these recent X-Men comics, it's not so much a wink wink anymore. Like they're making him very flamboyant and I love it because <laughs> he looks like a drag queen. He should be flamboyant. <laughs> like Shade, I am your father, your drag father. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, take a look at Shade from X-Men. Alan, are you excited for Falcon and Winter Soldier starting this Friday? Yeah. I mean, after not watching or after finishing WandaVision, I need my Marvel fix. Yeah, and I know, like, I was talking to my tattoo artist over the weekend, and he was like, Falcon's lame. He's just, like, got tech, and he just flies through the air. <laughs> so I guess I could see his perspective, but I've always liked Falcon as a character. I think he's fun. I love seeing him with Bucky. They make such a, like, buddy cop group mm -hmm. and from what i'm reading um we're gonna see bucky and falcon go down very different paths at the loss of captain america because this takes place after endgame after wandavision and uh falcon now captain america is struggling with this isn't my shield this isn't my identity like do i even deserve this and we'll kind of see how bucky views everything what they go through yeah I mean, I'm coming in similar to WandaVision where I don't know their story that much aside from the MCU uh, movies. But so I'm really excited. I, I do feel that this is probably going to be a bit more action-y versus WandaVision had a lot of like kookiness set a, a few times and a little bit of like fantasy. Um, so this definitely is going to be interesting. And I believe they filmed this during the pandemic too, right? Yeah, they got most of the way through filming. So if I remember right, WandaVision was pretty much done wrapping filming. So they were ready to air that earlier than mm -hmm. it aired. But um, the problem with Falcon and Winter Soldier is because it takes place in so many different shooting areas in different countries. When the pandemic hit, they weren't quite done shooting. And then they had the issue of, you know, having to clear people to go to these different areas to clean up the shots and finish out everything mm -hmm. so if i remember right they held wandavision a little bit longer so they can kick off everything together the way they are basically the way rupaul does where <laughs> we never have a time where yes. a disney show is not on the air <laughs> <laughs> and uh, feige did confirm though that we're only getting six episodes so as opposed to WandaVision, we had nine episodes. Falcon and Winter Soldier will come to just a little less than about eight hours. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. It's, it looks like there's going to be a few episodes that are going to be more than an hour. I guess maybe they're all going to be more than an hour um, versus the traditional like 45 to 55 minutes. Mm -hmm. um, so that's cool. But yeah, it's, it seems like it's going to be a pretty quick season um, with just six episodes. Yeah, and I think we're going to get in classic Marvel fashion. I know um, we're probably going to get some big bombshells like, you know, new new heroes coming in, maybe some heroes who aren't dead or cloned. Or like a <laughs> so, special guest like Benedict Cumberbatch. Yeah, maybe, um, <laughs> maybe Sebastian Stan will play himself in like pink. <laughs> Stop making fun of WandaVision. <laughs> 
So, and we wanted to give a quick shout out to um, Princess Chris Cosplay on Instagram. Uh, Princess Chris has been very sweet in reposting or tagging our show. So thank mm-hmm. you for that, Princess yeah, Chris. thank you. And check out um, one of the latest outfits that I saw that really caught my eye is... I'm going to call Princess Chris she. Um, <laughs> she dressed up as Mary Jane in like the halter top or cutoff top um, with the Spider-Man logo on it. Oh, yeah. That's very that. cute. Yeah, that was. Yeah. Winky face. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you for supporting our show. We really do appreciate yeah. that. I mean, you know, if any of you want to tag us, tag us on Instagram, feel free to do so. Spread the word. Yeah. And as always, um, if you get a chance... Please, please, please go on uh, iTunes for that five-star review because that's how we get seen more with our new show. And if you don't support iTunes or don't use it, then you can always leave us a voicemail through anchor.fm, which would really be appreciated. Yeah. All right. And we had a new show come out this past Friday. We kicked off the Assembled series. Yes. So this first one uh, talked about kind of how... WandaVision came together, and we're going to get one of these for every show or movie that comes out moving forward. Were there any highlights for you, Alan, for what they talked about in Assembled? I really like how they, for all like the sitcom-type scenes that they did, they actually filmed in front of a live audience. Mm-hmm. And it was kind of cute, too, because the, the cast, or the, the live audience, plus the, um, I guess, the film crew... They all, like, dressed up into the appropriate, like, attire for that time period. So I think for, like, the um, Bewitched um, kind of scene that they did, everyone was in, like, you know, very, like, um, dapper attire. So it was really cool to see that um, everyone got into the mood of that. So, yeah, like, I I thought all of the, the laugh tracks in the background was, like, all fake. But it was actually people, like, laughing. That's pretty cool. Yeah. Um, I really liked seeing both Katherine Hahn and um, Elizabeth Olsen just talk about their characters and just be themselves. I already knew Katherine Hahn was hysterical because I've seen her in other things. But I feel like Elizabeth hasn't really gotten a chance just to show her personality. Mm-hmm. And I feel like she really got to shine in this role because she really is funny. Like a lot of the stuff she would just say offhand to the film crew would like crack up Paul Bettany, would crack us up at home. So I feel like she really got to come into her own, especially since she mentioned she grew up on the full house set watching, you know, her sisters, Mary Kate and Ashley film as the twins in full house. So to her, this was, you know, her chance to finally get to be her older sisters and get that experience, which was really cool. Yeah. She has big hair. It's it's full of secrets. (laughs) (laughs) if you haven't seen the episode watch it (laughs) you'll get what we're saying yeah and i really enjoyed watching um alan keep me keep me gay on their names but the duo who wrote the music for frozen oh um shoot well i'll talk about it while you look it up um it was really interesting to hear how they kind of planned out the music they had this little jingle that they would kind of challenge themselves to hide in every single um WandaVision era of music and I love the way like you could tell you could tell right away like this is Bewitched even though it was its own music it was Bewitched and it was the Munsters and it was Malcolm in the Middle so they did a really good job yeah it was uh, Kristen Anderson Lopez and Robert Lopez who are both married um, oh, to each they other. don't just have the same last name <laughs> I think they're married <laughs> no they're sisters. no yeah they're uh, both mar- they're a married couple but yeah they've they've done musicals like Frozen um and they're just so smart. Like they, the, yeah, like they're they know music and time periods, and it's just amazing how they um, they've done it for like for the show. Yeah. Speaking of shows, let's talk about a board game. Oh, perfect segue. You're welcome. I don't have a segue. Um, <laughs> wow. So if you haven't heard of this game, uh, it came out a few years ago called Disney Villainous. It's a game that I've enjoyed playing on and off again, and they've done a good job about putting out expansions pretty frequently, like far enough apart to where like... You can save up. (laughs) (laughs) I feel like it's far enough that like you get a little tired of the game and then the expansion comes out and it excites you again, I guess. Like there's no fatigue. There's no 
break. It keeps stealing fresh. So I like that because there's always a reason to play Disney villainous. Yeah. So if you haven't played it, you take on the role of one of the villains. And since you're a villain, you don't like the other villains. So there's ways to sabotage each other through fate cards. So, for example, um, if Alan is Jafar and I'm Ursula, I would draw from his fate deck and take, you know, Aladdin or Jasmine or something specific to Jafar out and put it into his realm so that he can't uh, finish out his evil scheme before I do. So, like, um, as Ursula, my evil scheme is to get the trident and the crown and any of my fate deck will work against me. So it really is an interesting game. Yeah, so in addition to just you trying to complete your scheme, you also have to pay attention to make sure that your opponents aren't completing their scheme. Right. So it's, it's very, you know, you're not in your own, like, corner doing your own thing. You have to actually, like, pay attention. Yeah, because you don't know if somebody <laughs> else is getting further in their scheme while you're trying to focus on you. Yeah. So right now I'll read off the list of uh, villains that you can be finishing out with the ones we're going to focus on, the three new ones that just recently got released. So we've got Ursula, Jafar, Captain Hook, Yzma, Dr. Facilier, Mother Gothel, Maleficent, Evil Queen, Professor Radigan, Queen of Hearts, Hades, Prince John, Cruella de Vil, um, Pete, Scar from Lion King. A lot of people are excited for him. And there's also Marvel ones too, right? Yes, Marvel Villainous also came out. It doesn't have any expansions yet. And between the two, as much as I love Marvel, the Disney Villainous is more better. Much better. But you could, I mean, we've played it before where we mixed up, right? Between Marvel Not and... Not with Marvel and Disney. They don't mix. Oh, they don't mix? Yeah. Oh. But um, each expansion has three new characters. Usually they do like a popular character, a kind of like an character, and then an obscure character. So this last set that came out has Gaston, mm-hmm. and then it has Lady Tremaine, and Horned King. Horned King. That's what he said. <laughs> so I'll make sure. Horned King is from the Black Cauldron, if you're not familiar with him, which is our last segment today. We'll get a little bit more into the Black Cauldron. But I wanted to talk a little bit about how we felt about playing these characters. Hmm. So is there anyone that you'd like to highlight? So we've played the game three times. Um, <laughs> two out of the three times I played Gaston. And then the third time I played the horned king. king. <laughs> um, I actually played the horned king. I kind of like playing him. Um, but all, I, I will admit, all three times I played, and I'm saying it with such pain, um, I, I didn't win either, any of them. But it was still a great learning experience. Yeah, out of the three, I was surprised. Um, Gaston looked like the easiest. Yeah. But he's kind of like Maleficent, where Maleficent is very visual on what you need to do. You need to have a curse in each of her four slots, basically, or um, locations. Well. And uh, Gaston is similar in that you have to get rid of eight obstacles. So when people see you starting to get low on obstacles, they're going to start fating you. Mm-hmm. So I didn't have as much fun with Gaston as I would have liked. Um, how about Lady Tremaine? You didn't play her. No. So when I played Lady Tremaine and won with her also, just like I won with Gaston. Um, <laughs> wow. Lady Tremaine was very similar. For those of you who have played, she's very similar to Jafar and Hook, where she had a very specific, like, you have to get the invitation from the king in order to unlock the ballroom. The prince has to be in the ballroom. But something that's kind of different for her is you have to play uh, Drisella or Anastasia. And then you also have to play them in their ball gown. So once you play them in the ball gown, you remove just the regular one from your board. And you have to move the ball gown dressed one into the uh, the ballroom. Mm-hmm. And then you have to ring the wedding bells to marry the prince. <laughs> but if Cinderella's on the board, she blocks you because, you know, she's so hot. Like, why would the prince want one of the ugly sisters? 
So the reason I, I had a little more fun with Lady Tremaine because a lot of her cards are like if somebody fates you, then you can play a card that like stops Blocks them. It, yeah. So it's kind of fun to like be rude with her. Yeah. Like I feel like she's a very rude character. <laughs> yeah. Naturally during the in the movie and during the game. Yeah. Yeah. They did a really good job like in, encompassing these characters mm-hmm. in what you have to do to win as them. Um, the last one, of course, the Horned King, the one I was most excited for because I watched the Black Cauldron a lot growing up. He has to put out basically similar to the movie. Uh, all of his servants or warriors are dead. So you have to put out the dead skeletons, but then you have to get control of the Black Cauldron and you have to flip it over in order to play the resurrected mm-hmm. uh, warriors are the cauldron born. And you have to have Cauldron born in each of the spaces. Yeah. So, yeah, I had the most fun as him. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Um, it just took, it could take a while because you have to flip, like, you have to make sure you have control of the Black Cauldron first in order to put a few things down. So, yeah, I think probably Gaston is good for beginners um, who haven't played the game before because it's very simple. Like, his objective is pretty simple. But it is tough because especially if you're playing with other people who like to fate you a lot um (laughs) because all the fates are pretty much shady to to gaston Mm -hmm. and to be fair i've played the game a lot more than alan yeah i like a lot more yeah that's why i'm so good at it i don't know if you're good i mean it's it's shut up (laughs) So, yeah, so getting to our last segment, um, I feel like a lot of people don't really know about the Black Cauldron. So when I saw the Horned King in this set, I was really excited to talk Alan's head off about this movie. And then I was like, why not just talk off everybody's head about the Black Cauldron? Have you heard of this movie before? I've heard of it, but I didn't know it was actually its own movie. I thought it was part of, like, another movie for some reason that I didn't bother to look into, but... Enlighten me, young sir. Okay. So actually, you're on the right path because it's based on the Chronicles of Priding, which was a book series that came out between um, 1964 to 1968. There were a total of five books written by Lloyd Alexander. And Disney, in this started all the way back in the 70s. Whoa. They really wanted to do more of that fantasy role type movie that they um kind of started with so when you look at the main um heroine in the movie princess alanwe she looks very similar to princess aurora from sleeping beauty because they really wanted to capture that early disney feel but this movie went through a lot of issues as it was being created where um You know, they were having trouble first getting the rights. It took them two years from, uh, I think, 76 to 78 to finally get the rights after they were already planning to do the movie. And then there are a lot of people who came in and left due to either creative differences or just uh, the company wanting to go a different direction with the movie. (laughs) And the movie was finally set to release in 1984 And if you get a chance, look up a picture of the Horned King because he's terrifying. He's got like antlers and he's wearing a hood and he's a skeleton with glowing eyes. The reason I say all this, this movie is very dark. And the problem they had when they showed it to a private audience of children, some of the children actually ran out of the theater crying because they were so frightened from it. So... Uh, Jeff Katzenberg, who was overseeing the project at the time, demanded that certain scenes be cut from the movie. He actually was so um, dedicated to cutting the movie that when he got ordered not to, he actually grabbed the movie and took <laughs> it into an audience or took it into a room and started cutting it himself. Oh my gosh! Before he was ordered to stop what you're doing. Um, <laughs> The movie got delayed for a year because 15 minutes of the movie were deemed to be just too scary for kids. They were afraid it was going to alienate children. So they pushed it back. They actually put out um, The Fox and the Hound instead. Oh, and that's another thing. A lot of people who worked on The Fox and the Hound worked on Black Cauldron. 
And some of the character designs that were thrown in the trash were from uh, Tim Burton. Oh, yeah. Interesting. <laughs> but uh, it finally came out in 1985, and it was up against some pretty harsh uh, competition, including, from what I hear, the Care Bears movie, which oh. I freaking love that movie. So because it came out at the wrong time, because it was so dark, this movie really got kind of thrown to the wayside. But it is on Disney+. Plus. Um, the characters in it, uh, Taryn and Alonwe, they really, really super a lot, a lot to remind me of Link and Zelda. So I was trying to see if there was some sort of link <laughs> between... Um, I don't get it. Because Zelda came out in uh, 86. <laughs> So I was trying to see if there's maybe some evidence that they were inspired by Black Cauldron, but I couldn't find anything. But it's a fun movie. Uh, there's uh, a pig who can see visions, Henwin. Oh. And it's just a classic, like, the hero goes on an adventure to save the princess. He loses a magical sword. I talked about there's three witches in it that are fabulous. And I talked about them on Hanging with the Hollowells, which comes out tomorrow. So... If you get a chance, take a look at this movie. Let us know what you think. Again, it's one that I grew up on. It's very dark. I've always loved dark movies and themes, so it's it's right there for me. Yeah, I'm looking up a poster right now of the Black Cauldron, and I, I do see how you know you can link 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 to <laughs> I don't or get Zelda it. <laughs> to to this movie. Um, you know, the main character he is wearing a green tunic. He just needs to wear the, the green hat to go along with it. Yeah, and he's got that, like, reddish-brown hair. Yeah. And yeah. So I, I, can, I can definitely see it. Um, that would be cool, though, if they did that. Yeah. And I guess uh, the Black Cauldron, I haven't read the book, so I'm not familiar, but I guess they mixed elements from the first two books to write the story. And, like, even the Horned King himself is kind of um, like they did with Mombi in Return to Oz, the movie, which I'd love to talk about that, too. <laughs> uh, they mixed uh, different characters together to form the Horned King. So I do want to one day read the five books. But yeah, great movie. He looks like Skeletor with antlers. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> Is this a movie you can see yourself watching? I can see myself watching because Sean has made me watch it. But yeah, that was going to be so, my next statement. Yes. I am going to force this on you one day. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I know what I'm getting myself into. Um, so, yeah, that report coming up to you next time in the future. All right. That's our show for today. I had yeah. a lot of fun and talking to you, girl. Oh, and you're sober, too. <laughs> wow. <laughs> no, that's, I mean, it's always fun to talk about Disney, Star Wars and Marvel. So, um Here's to another great episode. Yeah, and I'm excited. Next week, we'll have more information for you on Falcon and Winter Soldier. Mm -hmm. We'll do the same and hold it till the end. So if you haven't watched it yet, you're missing out. But at least you can turn off our podcast at that point so there won't be any spoilers. And we'll do our best to tell you where we think the show's going and how we like it. Yeah, and if you guys have any thoughts of what we should talk about, you know, feel free to hit us up at um, on Instagram at Marvelous Galaxy of Disney. Mm -hmm. Uh, mm -hmm. or again anchor.fm leave us a voice message or apple itunes leave us a five-star review mm -hmm. and check us out on once upon a cult i know next week coming up we're going to be talking about the purple people mm. <laughs> yeah <laughs> just just to let you know if you are not of a if you are a little a, a little kid if you're young to um yeah, if you're a young person, listener, you probably shouldn't watch or listen to that episode. Yeah, my other two shows we put an explicit on. Yeah. Um, Hanging with the Hollowells, Recovering Charm, season six to eight, to finish out my journey of watching the whole season or series for the first time with my friend Kevin. And you can find my book on Amazon, Witches Brew, A Dream of Waking, or you could find our merchandise on Etsy, and the shop is called Magic Havoc. Oh. Oh. <laughs> All right. Next time. Bye. Bye. Bye.